1: I'm Candace Lim, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Evan Moss of Backrack, the man that you are this week. Evan won an Emmy for playing Richie, aka Cousin on the Bear, a show we love, a character I love. And I have to admit, I was not expecting it because a lot of trades were putting their money on James Marsden winning for jury duty. But Cousin Hive, you rose up. And I thank you for your service. So it's just me. And today we're hanging out with Millie Tamaras and Elise Morales. They're writers, comedians, and the co hosts of Go Touch Grass, a new podcast that breaks down the online gossip and niece drama happening on the internet. And you may be wondering, this sounds a lot like another podcast I listen to. But before you even think that next thought, I want to say keep listening, because if there's beef, <laughs> we'll talk about it. But today, I'm diving into Millie and Elise's internet diaries, which I have to say are so fascinating. We're going to talk about Heather Gay standing on a beach, Weston Caleb conspiracy theories, and... What happened when Elise responded to a hater on TikTok? I'll be back with Millie and Elise after the break. Hey there, listeners. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes up twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so make sure you never miss an episode. And we're back. Joining me today are the co-hosts of Go Touch Grass. It's this great podcast that recaps what's happening on the internet this week. Joining me today is Millie Tamaras and Elise Morales. Welcome to the show. Woo! Hello. So excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited. Now, before we get deep into it, can I just say that I see your show as like a cousin of Icy why am I? Because, you know, first off, great name. Fantastic name. And I love what you're doing over there because look, the internet is so vast that, like, I can't catch every Pokemon. And so I'm really glad that you exist in the space. And I'm so excited to be, you know, internet beat colleagues with you, let's say.
0: That's exactly how we feel. Not only are we cousin podcasts, we're like, Cousins where we like really grew up together, and there's like a sibling type Mm -hmm. cousin relationship. Very close first cousins that cheer each other on and love each other deeply.
1: Exactly. Well, Millie and Elise, it is your first time on the show. And in order to induct you into the ICYMI universe, we call it the ICU, we have to ask the question what is your first internet memory?
0: The first computer that we got in my home that could connect to the internet was in my dad's office. We lived in California at the time. And so we had like our house. And then in the backyard, there was a weird little office that was my dad's office, like not attached to the house. And that computer had the Internet. I would have to, like, go outside to be like, and now I will do my Internet time. And my first Internet memories are those AOL discs that you would get for free and getting and joining into kids chat rooms, and then typing swear words and getting myself kicked out of the kids' (laughs) chat room. That that was very important to me. (laughs) I'm one of six kids
2: and I'm number five. We had a computer and it used to be like in our formal dining room that we never used. I remember like, because I had siblings that were 10, 11, 12 years older than me, you can't really put parental controls on stuff because it was the family computer. So I was catfishing. I was doing like, I was in chat rooms. I remember one time this guy was trying to like sexed when I was a kid? Disturbing. Disturbing.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I really appreciate us coming into this safe space because I, too, was a catfish. And I also got catfished. I understand both sides. Now... Millie and Elise, I'm so happy you're here because today we are going to do an Internet Diaries with you where we basically just kind of asked about the way you navigate the Internet, which is especially interesting because you do this as a job. And so let's start here. Millie and Elise, what was the first fandom you joined and where did you find them?
2: I would say for me, I was a scene kid. I was emo, all that stuff in south florida and i lived in an area like my specific town part of town was like black and latino and like that wasn't like the main culture it did take a lot of internet sleuthing to know where's the closest shows what local bands there are and I feel like myspace was the best platform because every band had their own page and the page like as soon as you click on it music started you can see their influences so like when a band has an event you can go on the event and it's like oh I like this band and then you see who else is on the bill and then you can click on them and get a vibe and then you can talk in the event like oh I'm gonna go or this and that so like that kind of community building online on MySpace was crucial to my emo experience (laughs) in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of my like kind of soft fandom.
0: I was definitely a MySpace emo scene kid as well. But predating even that, my core fandom will always be Harry Potter. Fraught topic now. I was absolutely so deep into the Harry Potter fandom online, I can remember being on forums about it. And after the fourth book, that was like the first time I remember like the lengthy wait for the next one. And so that was when I started looking up fan theories and like Harry Potter related stuff online and then I got a live journal and live journal had a lot of Harry Potter fan art mm. that I would look up which is a very dicey thing as a child because some of it is really fun nice portraits of your favorite characters and then some of it is kind of the most deranged hand drawn <laughs> pornography you could ever kind of imagine. I was on fanfiction.net reading and writing fanfiction. So it started when I was waiting for the fifth book to come out that I like started to get into the Harry Potter online fandom world. And then after the fifth book came out, when I was waiting for the sixth book, that was when I wrote my opus, my giant fanfiction. Oh my God. Okay.
1: Loki will talk offline because I really want to read this so bad. <laughs> okay. I think it's time for us to fast forward into our current lives. And I want to ask you, what's your internet diet? Like, what does a typical day on the internet look like for you guys nowadays?
0: As much as I wish I didn't immediately look at my phone the moment that I wake up in the morning, I do immediately look at my phone the moment that I wake up in the morning. And it's usually Instagram. Instagram is probably my most used of the social medias. Instagram, it's like throughout the day. I'm always looking at Instagram and TikTok. It'll be a thing where I'm like, I'm going to look at TikTok now. And then like two hours have passed. And then I deleted my personal Twitter, but Go Touch Grass podcast does have a Twitter and it, it has pulled me back. So now I do check Twitter regularly throughout the day. And I'll, I, I've been looking at threads. I say my media diet
2: is, like, I'll check my email and read the New York Times newsletter. X out of that. Then I'll usually do Twitter, TikTok, and then Instagram. Right now, Instagram, for me, is not fun. Like, I'll do close friends on there and promote stuff. But that's probably the website the most where I have, like, a lot of people I know. So, I don't want to be there seeing like all their successes. (laughs) Like, I don't care. I'll be on TikTok. My FYP on TikTok is insane. I did get all the Gypsy Rose fan cams for a long time. And then I would send them to Elise and I feel like Elise started getting them. So yeah, just stuff like that. And then, yeah, I just love Twitter. I still think that Twitter is toxic and terrible and fun. And you know what? I'll just symbolize it as like, I am 100% the last person to leave a party like almost every time like everyone's cleaning up and i'm still hanging out because i'm having a good time and the vibes are good you know i've been known to leave a party and it's like bright outside and like every like there are stragglers left and i'm the straggler and like but the stragglers that's where the fun is at that's how it feels like on twitter was like, it was like a prom or like a really nice house party and everyone was there and you saw all your friends and all your friends left. And now you're left with like these random people, but you still really like them. And now you're vibing and you're talking about capitalism at five in the morning. But That's kind of my media. I love
1: this. I love this. I want to ask, what meme do you reference the most?
2: I feel like two that stand out to me. Or you should have sat there and ate your food. Like (laughs) that applies to so many things of like, you should have just mind your own business. And I feel like that's a whole genre of internet main characters is people like Bill Ackman right now was trying to get, you know, got Claudine Gay like to resign and all this stuff because he's racist And guess what? Now everyone's looking at his wife's plagiarism stuff. And it's like, you should have just sat there and ate your food, Mm -hmm. but you didn't. And then another thing that I love to use for myself is the Will Smith pain like where he's like crying and it's like pain, the Barbie face down. (laughs) And that's how I feel sometimes.
0: One that I know I referenced recently is that like, it's like that screenshot of text that's like, I'm not reading all that, but good for you though. Or I'm sorry that that happened. I feel that in my soul very, very, very often. And one that's a new one that I think is gonna get a lot of use from me personally is I am a real Housewives of Salt Lake City fan and the image of Heather Gay standing on the beach like waiting for the other women to come hear her gossip that she is yes that one it's like as soon as I saw it I was like this is gonna be big for me this (laughs) is gonna be a big meme for me (laughs)
1: I mean, every day since that's come out, I'm walking around my house just going receipts, proof, timeline, timeline. fucking everything. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about conspiracy theories and what gives Millie and Elise hope about the internet. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders.
2: I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford, and we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check.
1: On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and
2: entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, come to life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available
1: now. And we're back. Okay. What is your most deeply held but least provable internet conspiracy theory?
0: On the Go TouchGrass Patreon, we have this segment called search history, mm-hmm. where we do like a discourse from the past. So we did an episode on West Elm Caleb. And one of the things that came up that is not provable, but that I read online and have thought about ever since, is that perhaps because TikTok knows everything about you and knows who's in your phone, the reason that all the women that West Elm Caleb had dated were being connected and shown each other's content it wasn't actually just like organically tiktok doing its thing it's because they were all in his phone tiktok connected them purposefully and they were being shown each other because they were all in his phone so this idea that it was like this grand coincidence that happened on the internet like maybe it wasn't really a coincidence it was all because tiktok knows everything about you and can put you in everybody's feeds and they're all following you all the time i buy this i buy this so hard because
1: there's a good chance that all of those women had him saved in their phone as caleb tinder caleb hinge caleb.com and so like it makes sense those are called mutual friends technically i love this okay millie what about you There is
2: something about like Hollywood. There's just something going on. I think like right now it's like not profitable to make a TV show and there's so many hoops and barriers and stuff, but there's also so much content and so many like profitable video essays and podcasts and all that stuff that I feel like there's just going to be some kind of something where these people just like mine this internet content that already exist or like these creators and stuff. I mean, that's kind of already happening. So it's like not a great conspiracy theory, but there's something about the decline of Hollywood and the rise of micro influencers and content makers. Mm. And I feel like we got to watch that space because first of all, I feel like internet's going to be kind of not unionized, but like we're going to have child labor laws with internet very soon. I don't even know if it's conspiracy theory or prediction, but I feel like there's gonna be some really strict regulation and it's gonna be channeled in some different way. It's not as fun, but
1: (laughs) No, that's okay. Cause I think just to like maybe bounce off that, maybe what you're saying is like every time you accuse Ice Spice of being an industry plant, what you don't know is the real industry plant is being cooked on TikTok. Like that's where they actually are. The influencers are being planted.
0: Yeah. Well, there's that, there was that whole thing. Someone made like a full AI girl influencer and she got like a gazillion followers and it's all dudes just being like, you're so beautiful. And she's just like fully like a fake woman that they made. So I'm like wondering when we're going to start having just absolutely completely fake AI people and they're indistinguishable from the real people. The right. the crazy
2: thing about that for me is that I feel like with influencers, people want authenticity and drama Mm -hmm. so I'm like not only is there gonna be AI influencers but there's gonna be dating scandals and cheating and stuff because like that's kind of what humanizes somebody like Alex Earl or whatever like Alex Earl even though she has millions of followers was like yeah this guy like kind of cheated on me with this other girl and this and that and like those touch points of her being real or having blemishes or this and that kind of offset her constantly selling bullshit to everybody. So I feel like when that rise happens of influencers, we're going to get
0: AI drama <laughs> too. Oh my God. Like two AI influencers fighting with each other. And, wow. and breaking up and
2: th- them on the same account being like, Hey, so we're going <laughs> to announce our breakup and all the terrible things that Human beings do themselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love this. Okay. Next question. What are your personal rules for engaging online? So, like, how often do you post? Where do you post? How do you pick who to fight and who to ignore?
0: So I used to be a much feistier person online. That's part of the reason why I removed myself from Twitter. I said, I don't want to be conversed with and I don't want to be conversing on this space anymore because (laughs) everything gets too crazy for me now i pretty much won't engage with like negative or mean or weird comments and stuff i don't get a ton of them anymore because I have left Twitter. But the most recent time that I engaged with a person who was negative towards me was I made a TikTok where I was like, I have a new hat. So I have lived in New York City for 11 years now but I only just acquired this Yankees hat. And the way that this entire entire look, the nails, the gold accessories, the hat is making me feel like I am just like, a model off-duty Nepo baby named, like, Summer Michelle who just got here and I'm, like, 22 and the entire world is my oyster. I mean, look at this. In reality, I'm a 33-year-old actor who's been on strike for two months and just had to leave a comedy show because no one uh, attended, but Summer Michelle. And someone wrote back and they were like, nobody fucking cares. And that person, I did reply with a video and I was like, then why are we commenting? Why are we commenting, Kev? Kevy, Darling? Because you know what I do when I don't give a fuck about something? I just scroll on by. I just move right along. I let it float out of my ears and into the ether. I don't type my little my little thoughts out because I don't have any thoughts because I don't give a fuck. But this, this isn't giving I don't give a fuck. This is giving obsessed. This is giving... Unemployed. This is giving alone on my couch at 10 p.m. Angry, mad that there are beautiful women who got a Yankees hat and are feeling themselves on the street. That I definitely did do, but that is a significant downgrade from how much I used to engage with, like, like get into it with people online and, like, be feisty. I let it affect me for too long after. Like, even when I made that video, it, like, lived in my head for too long after. So I was like, I can't be doing that. I wish that I was the type of person who could, like, let things slide or, like, let negative comments slide or whatever. But I have to be really careful with how I engage with, like, feedback about myself on the Internet. Because I do—I'm just—I'm too sensitive. <laughs> and I let it get to me. And then I get, I get sad and upset. So I try not to, though I did yell at that guy with the hat. But that was a couple (laughs) months ago. And it had been many a long time before that had I ever engaged with someone. And it also hit me in a weird space where like I was annoyed because I had gone to do a show. And then like they canceled the show when I was already there. So I was like already in a pissed off mood. And then and then I was like, and I'm getting this nasty comment about my damn hat. Yeah, it's not going to slide today. (laughs) Instagram was always the place that I kind of like did the best online. But now I feel like Instagram is weird and has changed a lot. I think the Instagram algorithm wants you to post a reel every single day. And I'm not going to do that. TikTok, I've been having a lot more fun and I've been making a lot more like character and comedy videos on TikTok. And that has been like a more fruitful and enjoyable social media output experience for me. So I've been putting a lot more creative energy into TikTok and Instagram is really a lot more just like this is a promotional thing that's going on. If I made a video for TikTok, I'll also do it on Instagram and just be like, whatever. It's not going to get seen by anybody.
2: Yeah. So, I used to also fight a lot online. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have very strong opinions and a very like I guess strong moral code which is arguably Not the best to have in a career of entertainment, but, um, (laughs) so I used to fight a lot on Facebook. I used Mm -hmm. to fight a lot on Facebook of Facebook groups and all this stuff. So I used to fight about politics. And my whole thing was like, if they don't see me argue against these people, these people are going to think they're right. And then I had to learn like, they're not going to be convinced by me fighting. And I know they're not going to be convinced by me fighting, but. Maybe there's somebody else lurking in the comments that feel the same way, or maybe those person in the comments can be swayed. So I have to keep fighting for them. And now, you know, I'm older, I have less time, I'm trying to lean into more things that I enjoy. And also the algorithms are so outwardly purposeful with showing you things that you want and to confirm your thing. So I'm like, if someone believes this or is on the fence, they will see what they're supposed to see you know and that's not my responsibility in terms of negative comments i try not to engage so much just being a woman of color a fat woman like you're gonna get hate like i can engage with everybody you know and i've gotten jobs and positions where people say, I don't deserve it. Or I only got it because of this or that. And like, that was a hard thing for me not to engage. And I kind of feel like it's this weird dichotomy because, you know, not that I have a huge amount of followers or anything, but I have a few thousand and you're kind of expected to behave in this like, way you you know you have the expectations of celebrity without any of the benefits of celebrity. yeah, like you can't just be saying anything about me on the internet and because I'm more famous than you or have more money than you, I'm not allowed to defend myself. I understand that ethos, but I feel like it's even worse with sometimes being this other kind of influencer, you're held to that same standard, but without again any of the benefits and stuff. So, That's been like a challenge, like, and I can see myself like right now, I'll see myself like about to post a reply on something racist or crazy. And then I stop myself and I'm like, Millie, I take a deep breath and I'm like, they don't care.
1: I love that. Okay, next question, guys. And this is one of hope, okay, which is what gives you hope about the Internet? Like, what do you think the next generation after us is doing a good job of?
2: I feel like I'm really hopeful about the next generation. Like they're just, I hate to say like woke, but like, <laughs> cause I sound like a Republican, but, um, in the true sense of like, they're aware of issues and they're really smart and conscious. And I love hearing about this one woman was like, uh, my daughter came up to me and she's like 11 years old and she's like, mom, you were groomed, like our dad is way older than you You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, things are not getting past them. Yeah. you know, in the same way, you know, so that, that that's making me hopeful. And like, obviously, like international connection, you know, another thing on my FYP, that I feel like I don't know if this is next generation, this is kind of our generation, but I love seeing, um, especially black women being like, yeah, I put my Tinder internationally. And now I'm marrying this like really sweet guy from Ireland. And we've been in a long distance relationship for two years. There's a ton of that out there. And I'm like, The internet can be great sometimes, and love is real.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything with the internet, like, there's a double-edged sword to it where it's like, yeah, we can complain about, you know, the level of connection and how people feel emboldened in comments to say whatever, but that level of connection is also amazing. And there are so many people who would be isolated and feel alone and whatever if it weren't for the connections they found online. I mean, just imagine if we had had to do the pandemic without the internet and to have that like supplementing our social connection, it it, it would have been so my as isolating as it was, it would have been worse. And As much as misinformation is an issue on the internet, I also feel like because sources of information have been so diversified, it's harder for organizations and government entities to just get a prevailing narrative out without any pushback. Like, I feel like there are all of these checks now on just like traditional sources of news and is there a negative side to that where now people get news from places that aren't reputable yes but i do think there's a positive side but i think that the opposite is true too where like the powers that be are trying to tell you something that doesn't actually connect or doesn't actually shake out you there are all of these voices coming up to say well wait a minute actually that's not correct and that's not how we're experiencing things or like that's not the right narrative like again yeah obviously misinformation is a problem online but I also think there is this really beautiful like check on just like prevailing narratives that comes from online too and I think that it's As much as some things have made people dumber, I think that's made people like smarter and more able to be like, okay, I'm hearing this on the news or hear that. But like, I'm going to look into it myself and I'm going to check on a couple of different people who I trust and value their sources. And I'm going to hear different opinions and have access to all of that. And I find that I have hope for that.
1: Okay, that's the show. I want to thank Millie Tamares and Elise Morales for joining me on today's episode. You can subscribe and listen to their new podcast, Go Touch Grass, wherever you get your podcasts. Millie and Elise are also comedians, so you can find them writing and performing at a club near you. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so definitely subscribe. That way, you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online or on LiveJournal. When you visit Arizona...